everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. Syracuse sports make me drink. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy end of the college basketball season week. Happy it's end March, of awesome. it, Happy March. This is March, so I've been told by, 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 by an expert in, in matters of calendar and basketball. Yes. Uh, a Twitter, uh, a true Twitter maven. We should. Do, I'm, I'm shocked. Like Rothstein hasn't hasn't somehow come up with like a "This is Christmas" parody. I feel like or someone hasn't done it for him. <laughs> like I, if I were him, I'd go into tennis and just like tweet out, "This is match." <laughs> like, I do love that someone made a full Rothstein bracket this year. Um, it makes me very happy. That's pretty. Fair. I actually haven't seen that. I gotta get look that up. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's fantastic. Oh, good. <laughs> it's like it has like everything and. It's only doable because he's like just he's ramped up his dumb shtick so much to the point where like there are enough to fill out. I don't think it's quite sixty four, but it's like close. Um, and that's only in the last couple of years. Like at some point, he just realized people were making fun of him and just like I don't even know. It's like like quintupled down on just dumb phrases he tweets out, and he now has so many of them that he doesn't really tweet much else. It's just like the results of the games based on what team's <laughs> weird phrase he tweets. Even if it's like Notre Dame's, like the Mike betting against Mike Bray is betting against Christian Bale and Batman. Um, even though Mike Bray is like twelve and whatever this year, <laughs> it's like none of them. Half of them make no logical sense. Like they're just they're really dumb in general. But he's still rolling with it. And uh, to to at a certain point, you just have to say, yeah, this is never ending, and I'm just going to, if not respect it, I guess appreciate it weirdly. Condone it. Did uh did did the bracket include uh, when he killed the mouse or rat? No, unfortunately, um, it's all actual. It's all Rothsteinisms. Uh, the poor mouse, which was one of my favorite Twitter moments of 2019, um, easily. He's a robot. Like that just proved it. He's he is a college basketball robot. No one cares about college basketball more than him. Um, he seems uh, completely removed from any controversy within college basketball, or the fact <laughs> that college basketball is only really cared about by a select group of fans. Um, like. He acts like college basketball is the NFL, and 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 you know, I guess we all love him for it. I don't, I don't know what we do, but he's just such a strange person. And uh, this is his month, so happy March to you, John Rothstein. Happy March, indeed. Um, as Dan mentioned, the season is almost over. Syracuse has one game left. That's one game left to get to twenty wins. One game left to get to eleven wins in conference play. One game left to potentially seal up the sixth seed. Um, in the ACC tournament, which I very much hope we do. It's looking good. I think it would be something really strange would have to happen um, in the other game that uh, would decide this. So, uh, especially considering the team that we just played, like they would really have to come back to earth to uh, to not uh, help us at the sixth seed here. This is true. Yeah, uh, the the main piece of that puzzle, as Dan alluded to, uh, Virginia just needs to beat Louisville, and then uh, we'll potentially have the head-to-head over them. However, there's the other wrinkle that if NC State um, wins out, and if we lose and Louisville loses, then in that case... Oh, I forgot they had two games left. Yeah, they have two games. One of them is tonight, so when everyone hears this, that game will already be over. So we're not going to go very far into this tie-breaking procedure, because it might be null and void if if Georgia Tech happens to beat uh, NC State tonight. Actually, I could look at that score, and then we would actually have a better idea of whether or not that would even happen. 
Uh, is it started? Oh, it doesn't start yet. It's only it's forty minutes. Oh, out. it's one of those. It's one of the nine p.m. tips. Anyway. Yep. So yeah, if NC State wins, then this is still in play. If NC State loses, this is no longer in play, and then we're either finishing sixth or seventh. Um, if NC State wins out, and if both Louisville and Syracuse lose their final game, we end up in a like weird tiebreak situation that could knock us all the way down to eighth. There's also the other weird tiebreak situation if Virginia Tech um, loses their final game and we win and Louisville wins, we end up in a three-way tie with them uh, where we could finish anywhere. We could either finish sixth or seventh, depending on whether Duke or UNC um, is the number one team in that scenario. Did Vatek beat Louisville this year? So there's no... Louisville beat Vatek. We beat Louisville. How the the triangle tiebreaker scenario works. Yeah. Because we beat Louisville. Once you get to, because all of us would be like one and one against each other. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's record against the top teams in the conference going down. So whoever finishes first, if it's Duke, we hold an advantage. And if it's UNC, then uh, Louisville gets an advantage. Because they'd be and able Virginia, to... And Virginia, no one, because... Yeah, Virginia, no, no one's beaten them except for Duke. Yeah, and then they move down to the next team between UNC or Duke. So we could finish fifth then, right? If I'm interpreting this correctly. Can't finish fifth because I, I looked into that part... We couldn't finish fifth because no matter how it would happen, because um, Vatek also beat Duke, then we'd lose oh, the. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, then yeah, we'd lose call. the tiebreaker to the Hokies in head-to-head, and then we'd still finish sixth. Yeah, uh, I think we should have the tiebreaker of we beat Duke with Zion and ignore everything else. <laughs> um, Duke clearly, without Duke without Zion doesn't belong in the tournament. <laughs> Duke without Zion, eh? I mean, they beat us. Like, yeah, but we're not but, that great. But they almost, <laughs> but they almost <laughs> lost to Wake Forest last night. <laughs> Just that—that that was absolutely horrifying. Yeah, Wait, Wait Forest had a ball roll around the rim about eight times before it fell off. Um, although it might have been after the clock, so. But either way, like Wake Forest did everything it could to to uh, to give away that game that they absolutely should have won. Agreed, agreed. Um, Dan, focusing back on kind of the NCAA tournament uh, bubble or lack thereof. Um, I know we talk about this most weeks. Do you think Syracuse is in if we lose this game to Clemson and then lose the first game in the ACC tournament? Oh, I, I have no idea. I mean, I think we have a a relatively good argument just because I think we still have, like, we're coming out of, of one of the best conferences, if not the best conference. We have that Duke win. We have uh, a nice blowout win over Louisville. We have, like, a couple other... Like, like our, our losses in ACC have all been pretty like decent aside from Georgia Tech so I feel like we still have a, a, a pretty good argument to get in but um, it definitely gets hairy if we lose the Nets too it's just tough to know like who's going to be around that spot because you have like the Indianas of the world who seemed completely dead in the water a week ago two weeks ago and then they beat Michigan State again and, and now they're still doing discussion like there are just some teams that like while we're relatively mediocre by Syracuse standards there are teams that are that are I think way less impressive than us who are have a couple wins carrying even more weight than the Duke win carries for us. So it's hard to know without seeing what happens in these conference tournaments and who who gets hot. Um, but I definitely think you know we want to avoid that situation because it, things get definitely gets pretty hairy if you're looking at a 19 and 13 Syracuse team. Yeah, you definitely get like a marginal amount of room for error. And like, no, I don't necessarily think we can fall past teams like TCU. But, you know, we would fall, like losing to Clemson could potentially knock us past NC State, could knock us past Clemson on the bubble. 
Um, I mean, if we if we lost our first game in the ACC tournament too, that might mean another loss to Clemson. Uh, potentially, that would give the Tigers an absolute uh, leg up on us. I, I think I think we're in. I just I just don't want to play that game because yeah, if if there's absolute chaos. Um, you know, in terms of bid stealing, if there's, you know, a couple random runs by some of these teams that we perceive ourselves to be above, like, I'll say like, never say never. I'd put our odds right now, though, at about 90%, maybe, maybe, maybe 93, just to be a little more optimistic. Yeah, we are, we are, I think as of today, we are solidly in the field. We are not a bubble team. We can only play ourselves out of that versus like, and that is, and it's funny because like, this just doesn't seem like a very... This doesn't seem like a great season, and it's not. It's just we're still a lot better than we've been in this situation, what, two of the last three years when we've gotten in uh, or haven't gotten in. So, um, like, it's it still feels a bit different than that, and I think part of it's that, like, those teams would get – would have more stri- strange losses and maybe an additional bid win. While this team has mostly held, held serve since the ACC started, they have the one big upset in its Duke, and then they have the one – like bad, but again, not as bad as like some others lost in Georgia Tech, and they've we've pretty much held our ground since. Like the only other team below us in the standings to beat us is uh, NC State, and as you said, like they are still they're right in our like tier. So right. yeah, yeah, I, I think overall, like it's hard to really argue argue against that. I want to know like obviously the Virginia loss hurts, but like I still think this team has a lot of room uh, room to move up. I think if they were to go on a run, beat Clemson. And maybe make a run to like the ACC title game, which you know you can't count out considering they've played relatively well, even like with some of these blowout box scores. Like the damage being done in, in these streaks, um, the Virginia game is like the best example of that. But like we played Virginia really well for thirty of the forty minutes, and the, yeah. the, the ten minutes in between were about as bad as humanly possible. And like large, I, we'll probably talk about it, but like I think. Honestly, a lot of it was just out of our control, uh, just because Virginia had a historic night. But like we've acquitted ourselves well against like Duke, UNC, uh, most of the UVA game, um, even like a good stretch of the Florida State game before they turned on the Jets. We just have these bad blocks uh, that take us out of things. But I think a lot of these 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 loss these losses like the the numbers are uh, a bit inflated from even how the game went. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this game. This game, maybe a little bit, but like honestly, like you're not going to be able to to compete with 75% shooting performance from three, especially at the volume they were hitting them and where they were hitting them from. I mean, might as well. It was. Oh, go it was it. incredible. Like I, I I I tweeted or saw it that or retweeted the uh, someone had the stat on it. Um, I'm digging through my my mentions now. Um, I think they shot like 76% on contested shots and like. They were, like, over 50% from non-contested. But, like, if Virginia only shoots 50%, which is, a, you know, an incredible game, only shooting 50%, Syracuse is in that game until the last, like, four minutes. Right. Probably. And it, it's only because they shot so much better than that. And there were some with open looks, and Tony Bennett, I thought, did a really nice job of getting guys open. I thought we I saw some really interesting wrinkles where we haven't seen that from Virginia before, all the time against us. But it's still, like... College teams don't shoot 76%. That's why the zone works. Nobody shoots 76%. Yeah, right. Like, you, you could tell me, you know, put put, put it in an open gym, they might not shoot that well. So that's almost why it's hard to get worked up about that game. It was, like, The offense fell apart, which is a, a major issue. I think a lot of that's because, um, and without trying to psychoanal- psychoanalyze, but, like, I have to imagine when the other team is just hitting every single shot that it throws up, no matter how well or poorly defended it is, 
I, I kind of get why the offense starts to, to press and try to uh, just take, we were taking shots really early in the shot clock. We weren't going through like, even I know people complain about the, the offensive sets, but we weren't going through any kind of that. We were just taking quick jumpers to try to answer. And that's when things really went to hell. But um, overall, like, it's just it's it's hard to get super worked up considering the performance we were up against, and even so, like they were red hot in the first half, and we were up by four. So, hopefully, uh, if we get Virginia down, they shoot like a modest fifty-five percent three, maybe above a shot. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, like the in the first half, the SU defense did a really commendable job. Um, I felt like over the back half of the first half, there was a really nice uh, like level of, of ball disruption. I, I felt like in general, they managed to, to force some really bad decisions with the zone, um, and, and basically made their entire offense, you know, uh, kind of based on three pointers. Unfortunately, what the first half also did though, is, you know, it, it dragged that zone out to the perimeter. Um, and you saw a lot of holes at, at the back end of the zone, uh, you dragged Dolajai out. You ended up. I know people have written about this a bit. Chukwu was was taken out of his you know usual area, and and all of that together, um, you know, mixed with you know historic performance from three. Um, that's how you get blown out. I mean, I, I don't think it's off base to, to psychoanalyze a little bit just in terms of like the effect of that on a player. Like we've seen that in this in this Virginia series before. Uh, we saw it in the comeback in you know Bayheim's thousandth win. We saw it in the Elite Eight. Where yeah, once once the zone clamped down and and once uh, SU started to press against Virginia and nothing was going right for the Hoos, um, everything kind of collapsed from there, and that's just when you know became something rolling downhill. And like you saw that with Syracuse uh, even more so in this game, where you know their offense isn't efficient the way Virginia's is, and they were just turning it over uh, repeatedly. They were taking bad shots. Um, I'm not gonna extrapolate you know, that game into anything more than it was just, you know, a really bad second half and a historic shooting night. And I, I don't think that what happened to SU in that game means anything necessarily for, you know, what it can do in the tournament, aside from obviously if they end up having to face Virginia at some point. Yeah, I actually thought in the first half and I said it, I was at the game um, and it was very apparent from from being in the Dome, like the, the defense was super active. Before I just looked through while you were going, um, eight of the 11 turnovers we forced in the game were in the first half, and Virginia, basically their only answer was hitting threes, and they were, I think they were shooting around 50% in the first half. Um, and we all said, oh, they can't shoot that in the second half, they're going to pull off. <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> they only got hotter, which is, you know, crazy. But, like, the, the Syracuse defense was in the passing lanes uh, incredibly well. I thought everyone was playing incredibly hard. Um, it's just, you know, eventually when teams are hitting the shots they were, uh, especially Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter, um, who missed two, uh, four shots between them. Oh, and Ty Jerome Lee missed one. Yeah, like, their, their three main guys just put, were completely unconscious, uh, unconscious, and at, at some point, like, that's, you're going to win the game that way. And unfortunately, it happened to us. Um, I don't think it is, I don't think when someone shoots 72% from three, it's, like, super telling, as you said. Because uh, it's just something that you're not going to, you're not going to see recreated, ever. Like, if we play Virginia again, they will probably shoot, like, 40% from three, and we might not play as well as we do in the first half, so maybe we still lose. Um, but like, I'm I'm not going to worry about Virginia like laying it on us like they did. And also, it's really funny to see Virginia like even after all that shooting, they put up 79 points, right? <laughs> like, which is a, a, a fine output, especially considering the pace both these teams play. But you expect like a much higher total when a team is literally 18 for 25 from three. 
it was it, it was discouraging, but again, not, not not discouraging to the level that that I'm going to extrapolate that out. I mean, you, you can look at the rest of Syracuse's results, and I've said before, like we'll see how much the tournament committee values or ten or eleven wins when only a handful are against like the top half of the league, but. Um, nonetheless, we, we've seen SU play really well against some really good teams um, win, in wins and losses. So I, I, I'm not going to get too worried. But I know we talked about like how far SU could fall um, when we mentioned you know potentially losing to Clemson if that happened, and very well could despite the fact that we beat the Tigers earlier this year. Um, Dan, how far or how high do you think this team can climb? You know, in, in projections, I know we've seen Syracuse teams in the past play themselves up from you know, a seven or an eight seed or, or in 2006's case, completely out of the bracket to a five seed. Like how high do you think this team can climb? Um, so if they, if they would beat Clemson and then we beat the right now, I think it's the Miami, uh, Notre Dame winner, which yeah. is about as good a set as I think we could ask for. Agreed. Considering how we played those teams. Um, not to say like, and, and we talk about it every week, like the bottom of the ACC is still dangerous. Like those teams can all play up to people. We saw it with Wake and BC against Duke recently. Um, so, Assuming we win those games, and then we right now face... Let me slip pull the bracket. Uh, we would right now face the three seed, which would be Duke. Yeah. Uh, Make it happen. With, and apparently Zion is not expected to play a Saturday, so status is very much up in the air. Um, if he doesn't play against UNC, I don't know if there's any guarantee he plays in the ACC tournament. Nope. And so, like, obviously Duke beat us at the Dome, but that was a pretty competitive game. Um, so we beat Duke in this hypothetical... And then we would play the, let's say, the two seed, if everything holds, that is UNC. Um, we played them very tough uh, at the Dean Dome. And then, again, if everything holds, we have a rematch with Virginia, as we said. Hopefully don't shoot 72% of them from three. Hopefully they shoot something more moderate. Like, if you pick up those three wins, and obviously it might not play out that way, but, like, I mean, I, I how high do you, I mean, a four? Like, I don't think that's crazy. If you were to beat all those teams, I think you'd have to be like almost maybe even a three. Because that's just such a crazy run. If it's like more of a reasonable, like some upsets happen on the other side, and it's like, you know, you get your Virginia Tech rematch and you beat them, or you play, you know, a, a pesty NC State team and beat them. I think those both still help because those are two teams that beat us. A Florida State, um, maybe it's more like a five or a six if they were in the ACC tournament. Probably five. I think if you win the ACC tournament, I think it would be hard not to like get up to the five spot. Yeah, um, I, I think a five is fair because I'm looking at the four seeds. Like I'm looking at uh, SB Nation's uh, bracketology post from March 5th. Four seeds, Virginia Tech, Marquette, Kansas State, and I missed somebody. In any case. Um, I think Kansas might end up being on the four line yeah, Kansas after last night. Texas Tech being the other one. Yeah, but Kansas might end up shifting out. Yeah, I, I could see a four or five. I think it really yeah, it depends on who you face. In yeah, the, if you get like the three for three, like if you beat every – all the, the three huge teams, I think you could probably argue for a three because that's just insane. Well, that includes um, two wins over so Duke as well. It includes two wins over Duke. It eliminates the neutral site game, losses earlier in the year too. And and you beat three teams that are currently vying for one seeds, right. which is would be it'd be like one of the craziest runs in in a tournament, um, which we're not unaccustomed to. True. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're if you win the ACC tournament, you're probably looking from a three to a five seed depending on who you play. If you make a nice run, maybe, like, I think you could probably talk, I think we could all talk ourselves into Syracuse playing it up to a sit seed if they don't win the tournament, play well, and win a couple big games. Like, so, there's there's some some definite work to be done. I would love to, I'd love to get off that 
eight nine line get up to a seven like honestly i'd rather i almost rather be a 10 than an eight or a nine if that's like no i i I, com- I completely agree with that i think i think if we beat a zionless duke i think we can move up to a seven and i think that's good enough for me i mean i'm fine with moving up as high as we want but it, i i'm fine with getting up to a seven because like we've said before and we'll get into the bracketology stuff in a few like Two seeds are super vulnerable, and and I am really like on board with with potentially beating any of those teams. Yeah, like I think there's a pretty big break in within the two the, the two line. Yeah, like looking at Chris's Michigan has been kind of a weird team recently. I think they've kind of read the course. UNC, like I think they're probably one of the more dangerous potential twos, but uh, we've played them tough. I don't and, think and we, wouldn't we would get, yeah, matched up. We, yeah. Anyway. Right, we wouldn't be seated against them. Um, Michigan State, I would give Jimmy. I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> I, I think that would be like they. I think Tennessee is probably the last of those I would want to face. Um, and then like looking at the threes, like Purdue, who could make a run up, I, I'd be okay with them. Houston, uh, Kansas, I would love to face. I don't think they'll be a three. I think they're going to probably fall more because they just are a mess. Yeah. Um, I think I'd at least rather face the Tennessee, LSU, Houston. Be tough because they 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 are just like super scrappy and, and play really well. Um, yeah. Michigan I wouldn't be in love with, but I think like if we catch them on a bad night, they we really give them trouble. Michigan State I would love to play, um, if only for the jokes. And like Purdue I'd be fine with playing for sure. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think I, Kansas of those two three lines, um, in terms of the teams that could be around there for like a seven or a six, like Dewey Kansas all day. Oh yeah, absolutely. also while we're on this, I was looking up some betting odds the other day. And like a ten dollar bet on LSU pays out like four fifty right now. It's not bad. They're talented. I don't see them winning the tournament, but that's not why you bet on that kind of team. Like no. just <laughs> straight value. Yeah, you bet on that team because uh, you want to win four hundred fifty dollars. Right uh, on a very big one shot. Um, Will Wade going out in style. Uh, American gangster Will Wade, courtesy of John Rothstein. <laughs> another one of those. Another one of the Rothstein has no basis in anything. It doesn't make any sense. None. There's nothing about Will Wade that says American Gangster, except the fact that he's, you know, probably going to get fired from NCAA stuff. But I think Rothstein came up with this before we knew Will Wade was involved. <laughs> so it just really doesn't make sense. No, nor, nor it makes all the sense now. I mean, it, make, it makes sense, like, by accident. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, like did, was he just watching American Gangster one day, and the person he thought of in college basketball was former VCU and now LSU second-year coach Will Wade? 100%. That's the name? That's exactly Most, what happened. A person, no, a person, ninety-five percent of college basketball fans couldn't identify in a lineup or, <laughs> or like, have any idea what he sounds like. Will Wade? That's the American gangster. Yes. Not Rick Pitino. Uh, maybe. I mean, he doesn't really use that one anymore, unless Rossing goes to cover Greece. Gang- which I would. G- gangster is a strong word for Pitino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he wears like the white suits. I know. Like, I know. Um, Will Wade? It's just again the Rossingisms. I love them so much. They're so stupid. Agreed, agreed. Um, stop quick here for a word from our sponsor. And now we're back with some bracketology, Dan. I'm assuming you have SB Nation's page open. Yep. Uh, figure do a little bit of this before we get to halftime. Uh, looking first at the East bracket, that's Washington, D.C. So one seed, Virginia, two seed, Michigan, three, LSU, four, Kansas State. At the top half, give me Virginia. Although Villanova sitting there is Really not much of a reward for Virginia as the number one overall seed here. Um, I'll still take them to beat the Cats, though. I don't think Villanova has the firepower to beat Virginia this time around. Um, on the other side of this bracket, I'm taking LSU. 
Yeah, that's what I have too. I and mean, we just talked about the the great American gangster Will Wade. He's, he's I mean, he's done a put around here. Um, Wofford is six though. Wofford is yeah. Wofford scares me. Um, Who the hell have they beaten this year? They had didn't they have a big one early? Uh, I'm gonna look this up. I just somehow typed in Wofford in Google with double zeros instead of O's. I completely <laughs> didn't intend it. <laughs> so the the Wofford the the AIM screen name version did not give me the results I was looking for. That's Wofford. <laughs> They uh, oh, they beat up. Uh, nope, they lost Oklahoma. They lost North they, Carolina. They, lost they played UNC tough-ish. Like they lost Oklahoma was not very good. They lost. Oh, they beat South Carolina, but South Carolina is not very good. They got why crushed are they by a six seed? Yeah, what? What are we doing here? They lost to Mississippi State. No, what, what is this stupidity? They're, why are they a six seed? <laughs> like I know they're 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 like a a, a pretty good mid mate, but like. I'm looking at these scores, and people have been talking about talking Wofford up like all season. They're not even like running everyone else out of the gym. Like this is stupid. <laughs> they beat Mercer by four. They beat uh, Furman by five. They beat Samford by one in overtime. They beat East Tennessee by two in overtime. Like Furman them by eight. Like they blow out a bunch of teams, and then they they've played like you know single digit games, and it's like what a third of their conference. Why are they a six? I don't understand this. Like, I, I was just accepting. I'm like, oh, wow, Wofford's record's really good. I guess yeah, they I knocked off somebody. Yeah, they didn't beat one major team. Well, South Carolina. But, like, South Carolina, if people didn't realize, are not in the tournament. Unless they win the SEC. I I don't understand this. I'm actually going to tweet at Chris, like, while we're recording. <laughs> like, yeah, but he's not the only one, either. No, like, I know he's not. But I'm just like, pl- please, what, somebody validate why Wofford is 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 a top twenty five team and why they're ranked like sixth right here. Is their net rating like incredible? Yeah, they're fourteenth. But like how? They're eleventh I'm gonna try to find the quadrants uh while we're talking. This is stupid. Um also while we're here, Seton Hall beat Marquette. So the uh the, the, the annual Marquette tailspin coming right on time. Yeah, they've, they've been like a three seed all year, and now, uh, where does Chris have them? It's like a four somewhere. He's got them as a four. They're probably going to drop to a five. Against Florida State in the second round, if that holds. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, give me the Knowles big time. Yeah, that's a, that's absolutely a Knowles pick. But here in the East, I am going to regrettably pick Virginia over LSU. Um, but I, I could be very easily convinced otherwise if you have differing thoughts. Um, yeah, LSU has, like, I feel like if Naz Reed has this huge game inside, they could do some damage if, if Tremont Waters goes nuts from three. Um, it's funny, because, like, Virginia plays a very different defense from Syracuse, but the ways teams beat them are, like, kind of the same. <laughs> um, not really defeating the high post and doing that whole thing, but, like, you could bomb them out from three, and you could, like, do a couple other things, but, um, it's just funny to have, like, the same, not the same exact things, but similar concepts to work against both, even though they, they run different very different styles i'll take virginia as well uh they're just very good if you don't have a zion or an rj barrett like they're just very tough to beat if you don't have talent in them and while lsu is good and talented and and, and has like those young players who give a lot of people fits i don't think they're quite talented enough to be virginia yeah I, I have to agree there uh looking at the fourth uh bracket here the midwest uh, based in Kansas City, Missouri, you got number one, Kentucky, number two, North Carolina, number three, Kansas, number four, Marquette. As we mentioned, uh, Kansas and Marquette now are probably trending downward. Uh, nonetheless, we're going to go with Chris's bracket. 
Um, looking at this, uh, Syracuse is also there as a nine seed. I think we lose to Washington in that eight nine game. Um, I think Washington tests Kentucky in that one eight game, but I'm still going to take uh, Kentucky in a walk out of that uh, half of the bracket and give me North Carolina out of the other side, and I'll take the heels over the Wildcats uh, to advance to the Final Four. Yeah, Kentucky's been playing like kind of shaky uh, as of late. We've been high on them. Um, they haven't played great basketball in a few weeks. Uh, I do think whichever team between Washington and Syracuse wins, um, they'll potentially have a big talent advantage, but um, I, I would be interested to see Coach Cal play against uh, Trichens' zone. I, I don't remember the last time was last time Kyle approached against uh, Syracuse zone, like 2003, when they beat Syracuse, like in the season opener? Cal, the coach of Memphis in 08? He was, I believe. Oh, no, wait, no. Oh. Was he gone already in 08? Yeah, I think he was gone already. I'm looking. No, that was him. 2007, wait, 07, 08, or 08, 09? Whichever year we faced them. I don't remember if that was 08 or 09. That was my freshman year. I don't remember facing them. Oh, we did. We They beat us. Uh, how do I not remember this? Interesting. I don't remember. Oh, no. We, we, beat, we beat them. Never mind. We beat, yeah. we beat Memphis. That was Cal. Interesting. That was Cal's final year, I believe. Ah, that's when, that's when he was getting the hell out of there. Yeah, it was. It was Cal's last year before Passner. Um, I was reading. I was on the Memphis uh, wiki, and I saw the red... Uh, for the Syracuse team, and I was like, wait, we lost to Memphis that year? Because, like, I was pretty sure our only non-conference loss was the stupid Cleveland State game. Uh, but, no, we beat Memphis. Uh, 72-65. Uh, yep. Johnny Flynn with 24 uh, points, and that was our only non-conference road win in the last decade until we beat Ohio State this year. For some reason, I have so little memory of this game. Like, and I remember almost like all the notable non-conference games. I remember the Florida-Kansas uh, tournament very well. I remember the Cleveland State thing. Like, I don't remember this Memphis game well at all. It was, well, it was Christmas-ish. Yeah, I wasn't there, obviously. I was in Memphis, so I definitely wasn't there. But, it, like, it wasn't on campus. But just strange. Like, I feel like I would remember a, a ranked win over a non-conference foe in a true road game much better than I do. But anyway, yeah, so they scored 65 points against us. It wasn't, uh, wasn't great. <laughs> Um, cool. So moving on to the uh, second region, the West, the region I hope Syracuse is in in many regards. Selfishly, of course. Uh, one seed Gonzaga, two Michigan State, three Houston, four Virginia Tech. I hate picking all ones, but I'm going to take the Zags out of the top half here. Um, I'm going to take Houston out of the bottom half. And I'm going to take the Zags because I don't really think anyone in this region can beat them. Yeah, this is like what we talked about with the, the breakdown between ones and like the rest of the field, except for like maybe UNC. And I, I realize I didn't give my my two. I'm also going Kentucky, UNC. I'm going to go Kentucky to be different. Fair enough. Um, I have trouble not taking the Zags. I mean, I made fun of Michigan State. Now I feel pretty stupid taking them. Um, and I don't like this Michigan State team, and I, I admittedly haven't really followed VCU very much. Ooh, they had I to like face this. Loyola. Yeah, go Rampers. <laughs> make it, make it too. Um, <laughs> like I wanted Nevada, but they're just not like, that good in conference play. They're just not. Yeah, they're not the team we people expected. Which they're they're talented, and they're, they have a veteran team, and they're tournament tested. They catch for something, but like they get really flustered. <laughs> like they they got like. In a crazy like altercation at the end of the Utah State game, maybe altercation strong, but like they were 
way out of it in the Utah State game. They got blown out by New Mexico. Like, not a great team. Houston feels like a safe pitch as well. I'm, I'll go Gonzaga over Houston, too. All right. Yeah, this is uh, a little chalky, but that's fine. It happens. I, think, I feel like we go, we bounce back between weeks. Like, some weeks were pretty different, and then some weeks we, we kind of fall in the same spaces. I, try, I feel like we try to fix it the following week. Yeah, that, that's probably right. Yeah. So, in here we've got the South uh, based in Louisville. That's one seed Duke, two Tennessee, three Purdue, four Texas Tech. Why is it that the two and the three are so much weaker top to bottom than the one and four um, in these projections? Right, I do feel like these these regions are wildly mismatched. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, assuming Zion's back, I'll take Duke out of the top half. The bottom half here. I'm going to take Tennessee, and I'm going to take Tennessee over Duke, though I could easily be swayed for the Blue Devils, but I'm trying to avoid picking a bunch of one seeds, and I'm also trying to avoid picking three ACC teams again. Um, I'm going to, just to make this interesting, I'm going to work on the assumption now, even though I think we flip-flopped on this as well, I'm going to work on the assumption that Zion's not playing. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to work on, under that assumption, um, given the fact that he's not playing against UNC. And also, just for argument's sake, I'm going Texas Tech. All right. Um, I'm going Texas Tech and Tennessee, uh, and I will go Tennessee. Um, I do. Buffalo is very interesting. Very. Sitting where they are. Ohio State uh, is not very good. Um, they have been hanging around this tournament the whole time, uh, luckily for us. But Buffalo against Tennessee, I could see that being a very interesting game. Um, Purdue's okay. Cincinnati is going to go to the second round and lose like they always do. Um, so yeah, I'll go Tennessee over Tech. All right. So my final four is UNC and UVA on one side. And on the other, we've got Tennessee and the Zags. Give me UNC versus the Zags in a rematch from a couple of years ago, and I'll take the heels once again. So I have Virginia, Kentucky, and I have uh, the Zags and Tennessee. Uh, I'm going to go UVA to avenge last year uh, <laughs> and go to the, the championship game against Tennessee. Um, I'll take the Hoos. Uh, even though Tennessee, I, I, I'm, I'm into that team. I think they have, I mean, arguably three really like great players. They're just, like, they keep on, like, Grant Williams, we've known about all year. He's crazy. He goes to the free throw, free throw line an insane amount. He's super efficient. Admiral Stofield, big shots. Bone is like really come on strong end of the year. Uh, and when you have three players like that, I think you can go pretty far in the tournament. But I will take Virginia mostly, I think, exercising the demons of losing the 16 seed. Like, they, they kind of earned it. They're, they've been so good. They deserve something here. I mean, I guess. Their fans are pretty obnoxious about everything that happened on, in the first half on. Yeah, I had to drive home like four hours after the game, so I just didn't look at Twitter after the game. Lucky, lucky you. Probably for the best. No, I mean, I was just like, driving on route 17 the pitch black at like falling asleep but <laughs> i guess that's better than looking at who's twitter there shout out to caroline and brian and everybody else over there you guys are all great except when when except when you're losing us and then suddenly you guys start freaking the f out <laughs> as if as if them losing at syracuse the other night would have like mattered at all for them yeah they would have been fine agreed agreed uh they've lost syracuse before and things have turned out okay most of the time except for that time it didn't Except for the time they lost the 16 seed, but we, we weren't talking about that. So. Yeah, you know? Oh, well. Um, cool. So they were probably drinking after the first half. Uh, we've been drinking for the last week. So, Dan, what have you uh, been drinking? I know that some of it was in Syracuse, New York. 
a lot of it was in Syracuse, New York. Um, yeah, so I was uh, at Cuse for the weekend, um, finding the place where I started here. Okay, yeah, so before I was in Cuse, uh, I was, where was I? I was at like a bar that didn't have a great beer selection. Oh, I was in, in Connecticut, and like they didn't have a great beer selection, and then I saw some people, or one person drinking a Lawson's uh, Soup of Sunshine, so I asked for that, and they found it in the back of the fridge, so that was like, I feel like I hacked my night out, because this bar like really wasn't, I was ordering like mixed drinks, because I saw what the beer menu, nothing special, except for like a couple decent locals that I didn't feel like having, and then a Lawson's pops up, so that's just a bonus. Um, then once I got up to Syracuse, uh, I had a bunch of local stuff, because, you know, one in Rome. Um, I had an Orange Grove by Southern Tier, uh, which was like an orangey. It was like a really, really good version of like a like a Blue Moon, basically, mm. like an orange pale ale. It was like bad stuff. Like all the obnoxious, like super, uber, like overly flavored parts of it were out, and it was like really drinkable. So I enjoyed that. I had uh, UFO Raz at uh, at uh, Fagans, which closes at three thirty now on Sundays because there's nothing beautiful in the world anymore. Um, yeah, that's that's, a thing. that's crap. Trust me, like, I mean, I'm sure people uh, saw the Twitter thing that I didn't intend to turn into, like, a viral thread, but did. Um, Marshall Street, in trouble. Ugh. Very sad. I also at Fagan's, which is still a great bar, just was closing at 3.30, and we were very confused, because that used to be Senior Sundays, and there would be a good amount of people there. Um, I had uh, a couple things from Buried Acorn, which is apparently a newish brewery in Syracuse, and was, uh, at, like, very impressed. Um, I had their Hot Whip, uh, which was a New England-style IPA. But a really, really delicious one. I know, like, you know, we've all had a million of those now, but this was, like, a really, really good effort from them. Um, I also had, they had a, a collaboration with uh, Prison City, which was the Caroline uh, Dark Cezanne, which was also delicious. Um, I had a couple of Lupine Distortion IPA, number 11s from Firestone Walker, not a Syracuse beer, but I still had them and worth noting. Uh, some Flower Power. Some after image from Grimm, New York City, but there are Grimm's all over the place up there, which is lovely. Uh, and then uh, I went to Empire for a bit uh, before the game and had uh, their Norwegian Haze, which I don't think I had before from Empire, but really strong, uh, really strong pale ale. So enjoyed that. So a uh, solid drinking weekend up there. Well done. Yeah, uh, I know Barrett Acorn is a favorite of a uh, fellow beer connoisseur at the blog, uh, Steve Haller, who, uh, who frequents that spot quite a bit. Yeah, I don't think they were open last time I was up, so they were. Uh, I haven't been to the brewery, but it was a nice discovery to see them on tap a couple different places, and, and definitely recommend the stuff I had. I'll have to check it out next time I'm up. I don't know when that is, however. Hint, hint, people that can do something about that. Um, on my end, from things I've drank, uh, had from Urban Roots in Sacramento, had Bigger on the Inside, uh, double IPA from them, West Coast style. It's getting harder and harder to find those, which is pissing me off, but this one was really good. Um, had Booming Rollers from Modern Times, uh, just a really good IPA. Finished off the last uh, can of Boss Pour IPA I had from Abnormal, which I mentioned last week. Had two beers I don't really drink much of um, when I was at the Knicks-Clippers game, um, as unfortunate as that was. Um, had a Point the Way IPA from Golden Road. I usually avoid them due to their AB InBev ownership. And then I had an Angel City IPA, which is pretty much just West Coast Sam Adams. They're actually owned by Boston Beer Company. Um, and then I was actually out with a uh, frequent commenter, Orange Ray, over at uh, Smog City Brewing down in Torrance last night. So had a uh, Smog City IPA with guava and tangerine, which was a, a new kind of variation for them. And that was my drinking. Awesome. Indeed, indeed. Um, one last note on the Knicks game. 
um, and I don't know why my buddy and I didn't think of this sooner, is that the game was at 12.30 Pacific time. The Knicks showed up on Saturday morning in Los Angeles. So with a team of mostly under 25 guys, what do you think happened in the first half? Um, <laughs> I remember seeing the score, and it was hilarious. I, I don't remember exactly what it was. It wasn't like 48 to 29 or something. Oh, it was like, 80, it was like 83 to 70. No, it was 83 to 39 at one point. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much worse than what I said. That was, that, that was like the first half score, and me and my buddy were just like, because we, we actually like, you know, splurged for like some good seats when like before Porzingis was traded and shit. And yeah, you know, that was, uh, we really should have expected that to be honest. LA Nightlife, undefeated. Oh, yeah. That, it's so funny that like those type of things are, are like bandied about and like, it's hard. They're completely like non scientific, so you don't really know unless you see guys out in like TMZ or whatever. But like there is definitely some kind of correlation. And I wish someone would just crunch the numbers. I'm like, the the road road game early road games for teams in LA slash New York slash Miami. We were talking about that. Uh, me and my buddy were like discussing at length, and and, and the the we, we came to the conclusion that I needed to crunch the numbers. So I might I might do a little bit of that. It's probably going to take a while. I also have no idea where this article would appear. <laughs> so if anybody wants to pay me to put that up somewhere, I'm happy to do it. But moving on from that. To, uh, we'll do a little bit more basketball before we get to football. ACC Women's Basketball Tournament. The men's tournament starts next week. Uh, the women's tournament started this week, however. It started on Tuesday. Uh, we had the opening round games. Um, no real surprises. 10 seed Virginia Tech beat 15 seed Wake Forest. 12 seed Virginia beat Boston College. And we'll be facing Virginia now in the next round. Um, and then 11 seed Duke beat 14 seed Pittsburgh. So right now, brackets... A little chalky, but can't really blame him for that. SU right now, surprisingly, uh, to me at least, just because of how the tournament's viewed us in the past, has Syracuse as the 15th out of 16 uh, one through four seeds. So right now we'd be in Notre Dame's bracket, and there's really no good one seed to face, obviously, just because of like the separation between how haves and have-nots work um, in women's basketball, but... If we can beat Virginia, which we did earlier this year, and then maybe beat Miami in the 4-5 game in the quarterfinals, Syracuse women's team could be looking at playing themselves into a three-seed if either Notre Dame gets upset or if somehow we manage to upset the Irish, which I'm not really banking on either given just how good Notre Dame is and the history of this event being pretty chalky. Yeah, it would be nice to get away from the one seats as long as possible. It's basically, I think, what we did when we made it the title game. We just kind of avoided right. like the crazy matchups and got some help, and and you know made our way to the championship game. Where you know obviously we lost to UConn, but it was still a huge accomplishment and was the the you know best thing that we've done as a program. This team's, I mean, having watched a few of their games, they're super fun. Uh, Tiana is an unbelievable talent at point guard and puts together like she's basically like like Syracuse Syracuse women's like Luka Doncic. She's yeah. just incredible to watch and her passing's like remarkable um and i know like that year when we made the deep run people really got into it and we were also making a run of the men's at the same time so it wasn't like we didn't have you know other things going on and i thought the the fan base really got behind them so hopefully we can do that again this year i think it's the best team we've we've had since that team and uh yeah looking forward to these 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 women's games uh, i also like that they're kind of a week before so we can really give them more attention than we would uh, you know, for better or worse, than if they were up against the men's the men's tournament, which obviously, you know, coming from Syracuse fan base, we're not quite UConn, where they are really good at giving both teams attention, arguably more to the women because the men have been mediocre. 
Um, I think this kind of allows us to like really focus in on it too, which is nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, unfortunately, most of these games are on uh, local RSN until you get to the uh, semifinals. So we'll see if SU can get that far. Um, I, I think in general, like for SU, it's going to depend on just their style of play. Like when Syracuse, and this should sound familiar to Orange men's basketball fans, like when when SU decides to get in the lane and, and, and score in the paint and really attack teams and get to the line and not just continually jack up threes, like for, for a good stretch in the middle of the season when SU was struggling a bit, you saw them just tossing up threes, um, you know, at a clip of 20 to 25 per game, sometimes more. Um, in that recent win against uh, Florida State, not necessarily an upset by the numbers, but, you know, Florida State was a top 25 team all year and being able to beat them on the road's great. Like they they only shot, I think it was like nine threes on the entire game, really did all their work inside. Uh, Tiana had 44 points, which tied a career high for her. And like, it's one of the more impressive scoring outputs uh, for the Orange, uh, for any Orange player, men's or women's, um, that we've ever seen. So really, really awesome that, um, you know, we're starting to get some more support for that team. I really hope that, you know, folks come out. If SU can can keep a top four seed, then they'll be hosting the sub-regional for the first two rounds. So uh, would be really cool uh, to get, you know, that group one more round of, of applause from the, the local fans, you know, new and old. But yeah, I, I agree with you that this is the best team that, that SU's had since uh, that Final Four run. I think a lot of it's going to depend on matchups, but... If we could just at least get to the Sweet 16, I, I think that would be considered a success um, in a lot of ways uh, for the Orange this year. Yeah, like the question after that title run was like, can you keep on consistently, you know, playing your way up to the to the next tier? And and that title run was kind of a it was a, a strange thing because like we really hadn't had a lot of tournament success. I, I know we had like a you know a couple wins the the years before, but that was like the first really deep run. And if we could start like making those deeper runs and and drawing interest into the later rounds of the tournament and, and keep on building this thing pretty organically um, from where uh, where it's come just in the last few years. I think that would be a really nice thing for the team. And if they could, could pick off one of these one seeds, I mean, that would be amazing. But one step at a time, um, because like it's just so hard for the, the teams that are outside of the top like four or five to really compete on, on a, a season-to-season basis. But if we keep on making that like incremental progress, I think it would be a... a you know, a really good sign of things to come. There's no reason why we can't keep on clawing our way up there and starting to, to impose, like, make moves on that top tier. Um, I think there's, there has to be a little bit more room, especially with how well we've, we've recruited on, on the, in the women's team and how well Coach Q has, has done to really make this program his own after, you know, there were some questions about if, the thing, if we were going in the right direction and he really slammed the door shut on those a couple of years ago with the title game run. And now, like, consistency is what people are really going to want to see. Um, and this will be a nice a nice uh, answer after uh, a couple of years removed from that from that deep tournament run. So yeah, that was the women's basketball team. Uh, like I said, you can start watching on Thursday. Hopefully, there's some more games after that. Wrapping up here, though, Dan, with the few minutes we have left, um, a little bit of football and spring practice. Nothing's really happening just yet. Um, a couple of players are a little banged up here and there. I'm not going to get too worried about it. Something that came across the desk today was. Uh, this nonsensical idea that Jim Delaney added Maryland and Rutgers 
to the Big Ten to prevent Penn State from leaving for the ACC. I wrote an article saying that I think that's a load of crap, and I don't believe it for a second, and it seems like Gene Smith, Ohio State's AD, who said all this, is running interference for Delaney. Um, But what do you think? Am I over-exaggerating things, or is this really just what that is? Uh, That was my read on it, too. The the context of the quote was, it was from a Toledo Blade uh, op-ed basically about Delaney, who was retiring as of, I think, just a couple days ago that announcement was made. Um, And the op-ed was basically like, yeah, Delaney did a really nice job of getting all these teams a ton of money, but he's also, we have, you know, Maryland and Rutgers uh, kind of dragging things down to the bottom of the league and all the major sports. Um, And that is also part of his legacy. And it was really pretty harsh on Delaney for, for, you know, fair and unfair. Um, And he got a quote from Gene Smith, and Gene Smith was basically like, yeah, people forget that they added those teams, and by forget, I mean, like, didn't really know, because it wasn't really brought up, um, <laughs> that they, we brought in these two teams that are relatively local to Penn State to keep them from jumping ship to the ACC because they were on an island, and, like, that's, it's hard to imagine, even if, I bet there was a fraction of Penn State that was frustrated with that, and it was true, Penn State was the only Northeastern, it was the only, I mean, the closest team to Penn State before the expansion was, what, Ohio State, probably? I think it has to be. Ohio State um, or maybe Michigan State? I don't really know my. Yeah, so I don't know as much neither, about Midwest geography. But yeah, yeah so like, it's one neither one is super close. So yeah, it's an issue. But there's still a big enough, and we're both pretty big ACC homers, I'd say, overall, like in terms of thinking the conference, you know, acknowledging the conference is not in as bad, or is never in as bad a spot as people wanted to make it out for a long time before Clemson started dominating everyone. Um, but like there is a pretty, you know, obvious pay gap between the Big Ten and the ACC even. So it would be hard to imagine Penn State turning down, what, seven digits a year, eight digits a year, uh, to make that jump. And you, I mean, I guess you could argue, like, Penn State would be a bigger dog in the ACC, but, like, obviously Florida State was, was surging at this time when this would have been a t- the case. Like, they would have just won a national championship. Clemson was on the come up. Like, we didn't know they'd become what they have, but... Like Penn State's spot in the ACC wasn't necessarily going to be that much different than it would have been in the Big Ten, and they would be getting paid a lot less. And like while they would have us and Pitt nearby, which are more than they had in the Big Ten, it's not like you know they were all like a fl- like flush with with traditional rivals. So, uh, and it's mostly the money thing. It just it's hard for me to believe that that would have ever been a legitimate conversation. Yeah, I uh, I I also said like I, I just don't buy it. And to be honest, like because of where Penn State's located within the state of Pennsylvania. It's not as if they're that close, really, to Maryland or Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, just I'm, I'm assuming Rutgers is probably what four, three or four hours away, right? Which is, is you know, cultural wise, that's relatively close. And then I'm looking it up now. College Park is, I'd, I'd assume, like six hours, like five, seven, maybe. Six. Yeah, so it's it, they're they're closer than what they have uh, in Columbus, but like. I don't know. I it, it really felt like it was Gene Smith covering for uh for his for his you know commissioner. So interesting and interesting they put it on paper because like you could easily see Penn State being like, wait, what? Because because that. now that's canon. Yeah, that's that's a, a major, uh, uh, you know, arguably the most the, the the most influential school in the in the in the uh, in the conference's athletic director just put that in the record, but like. At the same time, I'm, I'm like my brain's not working, and I just typed in Penn State PA in Google Maps to find out. <laughs> <how> it... <laughs> That's not how this works. All right, so Columbus is five hours away. Piscataway is three forty-five away. 
and College Park is 3.30 away. Okay, yeah, so about what we said. Um, yeah, so like... It's the, not the, the that other much closer. Is, no, it's, it's, it's adding too closer, and it, it definitely helps, but... Yeah. Um, the other thing is, like, when this was ha- when this would have happened, which was around the time the ACC was expanding, I, I, the timeline wasn't really mentioned, so it wasn't, like, it was unclear if they meant, like, Penn State would have joined the ACC instead of Pitt, or instead of us, but right. based on what we do know, it would have been instead of Pitt, and which makes sense, because I guess they would want the, the Pennsylvania school, they wouldn't want both if they could avoid it, I think they would take both, but, um, yeah, like, the, whole, the administration's all different now, top to bottom, because of the Sandusky scandal, so... Like, I guess there's no one at Penn State that could really tell Gene Smith he's wrong. <laughs> because I think everyone that would have been preppy to those uh, those talks is, is probably gone. But it, it's still really funny that if this is, like, complete BS, um, that that uh, he would say that. I assume there's, like, a, an inkling of truth to it, but nowhere near what it seems like based on those quotes. Because he made it seem like if they didn't add... Maryland and Rutgers, the Big Ten was pretty concerned about Penn State leaving, and I doubt it was that bad. Yeah, I mean, like the realignment fever dreams of like 2010, well, like I'd say 2009 to 2011. Like, sure, we convinced our, like, I'm sure people convinced themselves at various times that, like, yeah, like the Big East might be able to pick off Penn State one day, or like the ACC might be able to pick off Penn State one day. And then, like, I mean, those weren't like rational thoughts, those were like, yeah, like if everything broke right, like that's how you end up with Maryland and Penn State and the Big East. Like we had a whole conversation about this in the comments too of like how that happens. And like it's not really like that far-fetched if if the first round of realignment never happens where the ACC took Virginia Tech and Miami and BC, like yeah, then, then there's absolutely some weight to, you know, a Big East that can, that can attract Penn State um, and really should have had Penn State from the beginning. And, you know, you don't see the Marquette-DePaul uh, type expansion. Um, Cincinnati probably never gets into the fold, neither does USF. And you end up with a very different league that might even be intact today with a very strong football wing and a basketball wing of like four schools. Yeah. And, then, and the other part of this, which I I don't know if you brought up, I didn't read your full piece, but I didn't bring up in the one I wrote. Um, at the time with the Sandusky scandal, the bigger conversation was, is Penn State going to get kicked out of right. the Big Ten? And there was some discussion about like, oh, maybe the ACC, like, basically buy super low and and it would have worked out i mean it would have, if assuming everything played out the same way it would have been a great move by the acc because penn state's basically completely rebounded um you know well because they never really punished to begin with at this point yeah i mean and putting aside like the the debates over the say how things played out that was like a real concern at the time right. so it's funny to think that the big 10 would have been so concerned about penn state leaving voluntarily when I bet there were way more actual discussions over like, should we get rid of these guys? Right. Because that was like the worst thing that we've ever seen in college, and, and hopefully will forever remain the worst thing because I can't imagine something all that much worse. Um, we've come closer, Eddie. We've come pretty close. Uh, looking at you, uh, certain part of Texas, um, or just most of the Big Ten, to be honest. True, but yeah. So very, very, very interesting. Interesting that it went, it was out there at all. Um, but it, it's pretty easy to poke holes in it, and then it makes you wonder, like, it, the, the, the easiest explanation is that he was carrying water for Delaney, which, fine. I don't know really why you bother. Yes, like, he's retiring? What's he going to do? Like, find you? <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Yeah, he might, I mean, I don't know whose choice that is. I guess I would assume the schools, like, I assume the Big Ten presidents choose who the next commissioner is, right? Like, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they, they run it like congressmen and women who leave and senators who leave, if they let the sitting governor select. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember how, how uh, like... What's the order of succession in the, in the Big Ten? <laughs> Yeah, because like I think Smith would probably be on the shortlist if he wanted it. Now there's there's a argument to be made that like being the AD at Ohio State might be more you know or on par of being the Big Ten commissioner. Although I think the lady made like an obscene amount of money, oh, yeah. so maybe not. Maybe he wants that job. Yeah, and admittedly, like the Big Ten's never really had the issue that like other major conferences have had of like not acting in the best interest of because what's in the best interest of the big 10 is always in the best what's in the best interest of the ohio state and vice versa it's not like the acc where what's in the best interest of north carolina is rarely in what's what's in the best interest of the acc yeah the big 10 is definitely more culturally aligned than the acc which i don't think it's a cultural thing to be honest i think i think the acc is very culturally culturally aligned i think unfortunately there's just a there is a tiered system and there is one in the big 10 but i think all of them have worked together for so long that it still yeah, helps there's, they go back forever and the the new the newcomers are penn state and who, who was fell in line and like most people don't even remember them not being there nebraska uh natural and maryland who, who <laughs> not have their own issues but they're not ever complaining about anything so <laughs> they're just happy to be there yeah a hundred percent along for the ride so uh, especially with what's happened in Maryland recently, those two stools don't have any input really on any of this. Um, so, yeah, I, I meant culturally. I meant like, like the ACC has basketball schools and football schools. Right. They have Tobacco Road, which kind of runs things, versus you know us and and Pitt and BC who are up in our own little neck of the woods. I think we're all happy with how things have gone, but there are definitely like differences in in terms of like regionality and history and. You have the Big Ten, Big East, uh, old school ACC kind of breakdown versus Big Ten, where almost all the schools have been together since like the 30s, and those who aren't are like in no real position to complain. So um, it does have a little bit of a different thing. So yeah, what what is good for Ohio State being like them and Michigan in the center of the conference, and because Ohio State's been so much better in football as of late, Ohio State de facto is like the controlling member. Yeah, like what what they say and what's good for them is is probably going to benefit the whole. I would agree. Uh, I think that's a good place to wrap us up here, Dan. Unless you had any thoughts, any Clemson prediction, any anything else? Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, hope, and and I think we'll we'll get it done. I, I we played Clemson pretty well last time. We held them to 53 points. Um, and this team, I think, has done a nice job of bouncing back from the bad performances. Uh, we we've we've tended to follow things up relatively well. And I just I I think our our guys will know what's on the line, and they're not going to want to tempt the. ACC tournament, whatever, can go wrong there. So I, I'm I'm confident that we'll we'll get this win and we'll wrap up that sixth seed. Yeah, I'm not like super confident in it looking like a great game. Um, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, whatever you need to do. Like, and Clemson's just, been pretty adaptable, and like they almost knocked off UNC the other day. Like, they're definitely a very good team. I don't really want to give them any ammo to, you know, get into the the tournament on the backs of win a uh, win over us. So yeah, I I think we get it done. I think we're able to kind of push past what happened um, against UVA and it's not going to look like the Wake Forest win but it's certainly not going to look like the Virginia game so give me a ugly 63 to 59 win all right uh I'll go I'll go Syracuse 66 Clemson 61 right. same general ballpark yeah I think I think it's going to be played in that area both the, neither of these seems to store that much no all right 
so that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcasts. Syracuse Sports Make Me Drink. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, anywhere else you might listen to podcasts, and go Orange. Go Orange.